Hello, welcome to Ars Arcanum, an exploration of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere <laughs> books and stories and characters and themes and such. I'm Nora, I'm joined by Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. And Autumn. I'm themes and such. Wow. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read Jack or shit this week. I, um... Read the first volume of Akira, and I continue to read Dororo, which I might have talked about last time. But both of these are like, there's five more volumes of Akira, and there's a lot more Dororo to read, and so like, I don't have, I don't have a lot to say right now. I instead of picking a new audiobook, I started listening to a Legend of Zelda lore podcast on AudioEntropy.com. Hell so yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, nice. I used to get into Zelda timeline arguments on forums back in the day. Yeah. Mark, what about you? Yeah, I also really haven't read anything <clears throat> to talk about. Like, I've continued reading Blind Sight. Um, I started rereading a book, but first of all, I've only reread the first chapter. And second of all, I don't know that I really have anything to say about it on this reread. It's, um, the book is called Nightside the Long Sun. It's the first in the Book of the Long Sun quadrilogy. You all know how much I like the Book of the New Sun, and this is like the sequel quadrilogy to that. So I don't know. No one needs to hear me talk more about the solar cycle. Does that one also have a Severian? No. This one okay. it is in the same like universe, but it is set it is not set on the same planet. Um, mm, okay. And it's yeah, it has only like a very oblique connection. Um, our our, our Second podcast, Wolf Arcanum. <laughs> well, that's that's that podcast is actually the inevitable me and Ben podcast. Although you are you are very welcome to come on it, uh, you know, frequently if you are interested in doing that. Whenever we get around to it, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just come in for the fan art corner where I send you lots of weird uh, <laughs> book of the new sun fan art. <sighs> God, I mean, yes, that's great. Oh, I wonder if. Because there's the possibility, we haven't hashed this out yet, um, there's the possibility when we do this that it will actually be, like, reading all of Wolf's books, not just the Solar Cycle, um, mm -hmm. which I, I think, I, I don't know whether that would be a, a larger commitment than this podcast. It would probably be a larger commitment because we would probably go more slowly through the books because we would want to actually talk about, like, the specifics of the language sometimes mm. uh, in the kind of mm -hmm. way that we often do with Moby Dick. Um, anyway, the point of that being that I briefly imagined whether there was, like, fifth head of Cerberus fan art, and that idea is very disturbing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the big list on Wikipedia of novels. Uh -huh. On the oh wait no this is not the Gene Wolfe bibliography page let me click that just to make sure I get it I think this might be a larger commitment <laughs> yeah. than Sanderson yeah, yeah no but I, I think it is uh. <laughs> Sanderson I think before we went weekly and I don't know that we're gonna do weekly forever but before we went weekly Sanderson was a ten year commitment and with also the knowledge that he's gonna put out at least one more book a year um, yeah every other ten year years? I would say every other year no he. Puts out a book a year. What did he do in 2020? Uh, I think well, Rhythm of War. Yeah, he did Rhythm of War. What's he done well, this year? He's going to do a Wax and Wayne book, at least. Also, uh, if he hadn't done anything in... Tw I feel like anyone who does puts out a book a year is allowed to like skip 2020, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, uh, that was just an example. I didn't mean specifically... 
Yeah. Brandon <clears throat> puts out a book a year, and in 2020, the year that everybody was allowed to skip, he put out his biggest, longest book yet. <laughs> He's only 85% of the way through the first draft of Wax and Wayne. That book is scheduled to come out in November. That's That can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's impossible. <laughs> what is Cytonic? It is the follow-up to the, the Skyward stuff. I think. It's a new series? or is it a... No, it's just the next book in the series, I think. Oh, weird. Yeah. He's just abandoning the naming convention? Uh, he talked about this in one of his YouTube videos. Uh, with the YA stuff specifically, he defers to what um, his publisher would like the book to be titled. Uh, because, like, publishers just know more about that market than he does and so he let the publisher title the book and they decided that cytonic was very uh marketable marketable you are you are looking you are showing me something on his uh web page here that says lux a texas reckoners novel i don't know what any of those words mean reckoners is a different thing he does i think it's a superhero novel series sounds dumb it's like i think it's ya I, I'm going to say that, and then in like <clears throat> three weeks from now, I'm going to be like, I finished the Reckoner series. <laughs> it's really great. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, anyway. the one advantage with the Possible Wolf podcast is that the man is dead. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that the Possible Wolf is a really great <laughs> podcast name. <clears throat> Good podcast name, great band name. <laughs> that is a good question, what we would call it. There's a there already exists a book of the New Sun podcast which is titled Alzebo Soup, which is a a good title, but for reasons that I can't explain. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, there's also like podcast of the Wolf Sun. <laughs> no. no, no, I don't think that's very good. Uh, I I feel like probably the name Wolf is not going to be in the title unless we are actually making some kind of pun, like, which Ben might want to do, but... Like naming your podcast Hungry Like the Wolf. There is one wolf inside you. <laughs> <laughs> there are... A, let me look at this list here. There are 78... I don't know how many books there are, but... All right. <laughs> anyway. And I'm should we talk about, about Elantris? Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about a podcast that may, or honestly may not, exist someday in the future. The first rule of podcasting is that if you say a podcast, it will exist. (sighs) That's not true. That's impossible. That's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Autumn, stop playing Slay the Spire and uh, read this summary. I was going to close it and then I was like, well, let me finish this combat. Uh Uh, Raiden and Galadon discuss Aeon Dor, and Galadon comments that perhaps the land has changed, causing Raiden to intuit that the chasm caused the Riode rather than the other way around as speculated. Raiden draws a modified Ihi Aeon, and it works, causing a fireball to incinerate part of the library. They realize that Aeon Dor is still somewhat inhibited, however, since their Aeons don't produce as powerful ex- effects as the books describe, or affect people at all, and they still have not completed their transformations to pre-Riode Elantrians. They speculate that the first working on Aeon Ihi uh, 
drained a long, untapped energy reserve. Raiden does find a practical Aeon, Sheo, that allows him to create an illusion around him of a healthy human to make it possible for them to leave Elantris. Uh, so, we complain a lot about the leaps of logic in Raiden chapters, and on the one hand, this feels like the one that made the most sense, and on the other hand, I still think it's dumb. Didn't I say this would be the case, like, three episodes ago? Hmm. I feel like I predicted this. I feel like Nora's right again. I... <laughs> My problem was that I did not remember this chasm yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, don't, I didn't remember the chasm, but I specifically remember saying, hey, what if somebody changed the coastline and that's why they can't? Okay, okay. The thing, yeah. so like what I remember saying at the time when you proposed that theory was, but if that were the case, wouldn't we know about it? And the answer is yes, they told us about it twice. And like, yes. Ah. It's so frustrating because, okay, I'm willing to believe that if we weren't reading this book so slowly, maybe we would have remembered the idea. No, that I would a- not have. <laughs> okay, I, for the benefit, to give, I'm trying to give Brandon the benefit of the doubt here and be like, maybe if you read this book a little bit more quickly, you would remember that they mentioned in like the first chapter that there's a giant chasm that opened like at the same time as the Rayod. Um... I agree. Actually, it's very easy to forget because it's like mentioned once and then there's one offhand reference. I I searched the word chasm in the book. There's one more offhand reference, but it really doesn't come up very often. Um, But the, the thing that I find frustrating is like if you do remember it, if you do remember a chasm happened at the same time as the Rayod, then it's like glaringly obvious once they start talking about like maybe Aeondor has something to do with the land. That should, like, stick out immediately. The fact that that's not instantly mm. what Rayadin thought of is so stupid. Like, the fact, like, there's so much with this thing figuring out how Andor is connected to the land, where it feels like Rayadin is ignoring simple facts that anyone knows. Like, the way that right. the Aeons are based on this simple map. And the fact that, like, this chasm is this big change to the land that happened at the same time as the Rayod. Like, he should have put all this together, like, I don't know. He should have put all this together, like, when the Rayod happened. Or, like, someone else should have, you know? <sighs> like, somebody who knows what Aeons are based on, at the time the Rayod happened, should have been like, oh my god, Aeons are based on the land, and the land just changed, like... It's so obvious if you are living in this world and know these things. It's it's so dumb. Well, okay. So, do it seems like normal people don't know how Aeon Door works at all, right? I mean, how it works, no. But like that thing that Serini said. Serini about, says that, and Serini didn't know okay. anything about anything a week like, ago. Well. Sir- they did kill all the Elantrians. Yes, but everybody, everyone who is, like, well-educated in the parts of the world that speak this language and that use this writing system. Mm-hmm. Okay, not, like, every single person, clearly, but, like, the way mm-hmm. that Serini talked about this whole, oh, it looks like a map thing, it's clearly an extremely common, like, mnemonic device that is taught to children. Um, mm-hmm. And I find it really hard to believe that since it's not actually just a mnemonic device, but apparently, like, something explanatory about the fundamentals of how this magic works, 
Like, okay, yes, the Elantrians were the only ones who really knew about the magic, but it... It's but no one in ten years ever considered that, like, the chasm might be the cause of this. Yeah, or, or like, just the idea that the Aeons and their magic is connected to the land seems like a pretty reasonable supposition based on the map thing, based on the connection that it has to the people who are connected to this particular land which sucks obviously making it like I'm an ethnically my eyes so hard make it like an ethnically restricted magic disgusting bad dumb but like it's true in this world and people know that um <clears throat> can i also add a little detail mm-hmm. <clears throat> raiden says hey what if instead of the re the Riode causing the chasm. What if the chasm called the Riode? I searched chasm on the ebook, and I have found the first instance of it early on. And in that description, it says the earth itself had shattered an enormous chasm opening in the south, all of Aralon quaking. With the destruction, Elantris had lost its glory. So this is a Rayadin POV chapter, and Rayadin <laughs> yes. himself. Sp- says in his head that that happened first. (laughs) Yes! Like, yeah. The idea that everyone assumes that the Rayod caused the chasm is, that is totally new in this chapter. It feels like, it feels like Brandon is, is trying to be like, oh, you forgot about the chasm, didn't you? Or if you did think about it. Yes, you did! did. Brandon, you forgot about the chasm. (laughs) It's just, it's just weird because I think of, when I think of Sanderson books I like, I think of him as such a, like, so good at foreshadowing, uh, because he'll signpost things in really obvious ways, but I'm like, uh, like, like, he'll put something out there, I'm like, oh, this is foreshadowing something, but I don't know what it's foreshadowing. But he'll also do a little foreshadowing that you don't even notice because he's also doing a different thing, then you're like, oh, I see what you're doing, Brandon. And then two books later, you yes. find out, oh, wait, that other thing that I never really understood is actually because of this. Or you reread something and you pick up on a detail that was like... Sure. Yeah, anyway. He, he gets way better at this. He's... I don't... It is like... I want to know how many books he wrote between Elantris and Mistborn. Because... Seven. It, seven? Seven. Because you can tell. Yes. <laughs> You can. <laughs> you know how many was between White Sand and Elantris? No, I do not. Okay. I know that I know that Mistborn was the twelfth, and I know that um Elantris was the fifth book he wrote. White Sand, he just acts the entire book and made it a comic instead. <laughs> Way of Kings, he just like rewrote that entire book. He like that was like the third book he wrote and he trashed the entire thing. Right, because he just changed the entire plot. Yes. Right. Anyway. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I think of him as like a really good foreshadowing guy. I did not remember there was a fucking chasm because it's mentioned twice in the book and neither time is it significant. Yeah. The other time is about, um, Lord Edon's, uh, remember him? He was the guy who fled their I still can't remember which one's Edon and which one's Edon. He was the grouchy one who was poor and desperate. 
Okay. That left their group because he got too desperate and didn't want to stick around and went back to his farms over by the chasm. There are too many characters in this book. That's weird because none of them are characters. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> there are too many cast members in this book. <laughs> <laughs> there are too many extras. It's clogging it up. Um, what else happened in this chapter? The- bunch of bunch of magic systemy shit. Bunch of magic systemy shit. Um, just feels like it. It feels like Raiden and Galanon are both doing a bunch of exposition in chapter forty nine. Um, and also just guessing at what exposition could be coming in the future. Um, yeah. It's bad. It's just bad. I guess it's interesting that they like are like, oh, we can disguise ourselves as regular people so that we could like leave Elantris if we wanted. Um, yeah, that's a good like development. I kind of thought that was going to happen with Serene. Um and I guess it's cool that it's happening in a slightly different way. Um, yeah. Except that it's going to be um, a little bit cringe in the next chapter. Yeah. Should yeah. we get to chapter 49? I'm, I'm ready to go. I don't actually feel like digging into this exposition shit. <laughs> me neither. It, it, it all just glanced off me. I will note that this chapter has two annotations. Oh, yeah, I rants. saw that. Of course he thinks this chapter is important. You want to hit us with that summary? Yeah. Chapter 50. Serena gets a report from Ash that King Telri is delaying his conversion to Dorethi for unknown reasons. Serena also hears rumors about a law to force conversion of all Aerolians on the pain of incarceration. (laughs) Serena and her ladies' group continue their fencing sessions at Royals Gardens. Their exercise is interrupted by the arrival of two exiled doulas, a noble named Kalu and his servant. Kalu flatters Serini and tells of his circumstances to Royal. Serini believes that Kalu is an imposter and tries to shatter his ruse by dueling him at fencing, but doesn't learn anything to back her suspicions. <sighs> so, Serini's this... a goddamn racist. <laughs> and so is Rayadin because he's doing brownface. <laughs> I did <laughs> He's disguising himself as a doula, which we learn in this chapter means that he is giving himself like medium brown skin. That makes That makes so much more sense because I I read this as like is this a character from another book in the Cosmere? And no, it being Raiden is so much makes so much more sense, and also is worse. <laughs> this is, this yeah, one hundred percent dumb. This this quote unquote dual noble and his quote unquote servant are clearly Raiden and uh, yeah and Galadon. I don't know for sure which is which, except that like. Given how this book works, obviously the one who fences and flirts with Serene is going to be Rayadin, right? Um, I don't think so. I think that... I thought that Kalu was Galadon 
doing... I thought that this book... Hold on. I thought that this book had the character who was like, oh, you're a doula? You don't act like a doula. And then now this is the scene where he has to play into the stereotypes about his own people. I thought that's what Brandon was doing. I guess that could be. I think the alternative is Raiden not just in brown face, but also acting as a racist caricature. And making his friend, who is one of these people, be his servant. Yes. I think that's worse, personally. But, you know. Both of these options truly suck. I I mean, this, this genuinely had not occurred to me because I was... I guess I was so desperate for this book to be interesting that I was like, oh, I hope this is a character from elsewhere in the Cosmere. I, I hope this is a new guy. I hope, I hope this is an interesting new character, which would be dumb because literally in the chapter before this, they're like, oh, yeah, me and Raven are going to leave. So, yeah, of course it's them. I just hadn't connected those two dots because I'm a moron and also wanted this book to be better than it is. And also, it's a, it's a stupid thing for them to be doing, to, like, infiltrate this ladies' group and lie to Serini. Like, what the what's the fucking point well, of that? Yeah, well, I don't really know what their goal is here. I think Raiden just wants to be around Serini. I think that's literally it. I, I, think, I think he's doing it for love. Brown face for love. Because, because <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is the worst protagonist of a book that I have. Kvothe hmm. uh, might be worse, it's but we're hard. splitting hairs. It's hard to decide. <laughs> we're splitting hairs here. Right now, Rayadon has done more things that I find objectionable. Whereas Kvothe has. phone is ringing. Kvothe has, like, had thoughts that I yes. object to. Yes. Um, also, uh, I did... It would make sense because, like, Serini is constantly remarking, like, where did he get that flower? Or, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, oh, he's doing illusion magic when she when she's not. This is... Okay. Aeondor is not a subtle art. I don't yeah. think you can quietly draw no, a little symbol. No, no, no. To because make in, it... the, in the very last chapter, he's like, he was drawing lines with his fingernails so thin they were nearly invisible. But how fast can he do that? Are you very a, fast? Are you implying he, he, he that, said it in the last chapter that he's very fast? Are at you doing. implying that he has the ability that Lelouch has in Code Geass to wipe his hand in front of his face and take off his contact lenses? Yes, I'm saying exactly that. <laughs> He's rated in a Lelouch. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, rowdy episode. <laughs> rowdy episode, because we gotta we have a heart out this week, so we're... we're we have a heart out, and Serini is a huge fucking racist, so I don't want to dwell on this too much. You want to skip to Hraithen? Uh, the only other thing is, is um, she pokes him with her sword, and there's no mark, which obviously means illusion magic. And also... Well, yeah. There's not only no mark, there's no blood, because yeah. he's a Lantrian, so he doesn't bleed. Uh, I just know that this is going to be Galadon, because he's going to be super fucking grumpy that 
I almost said Kaladin. That Raiden <laughs> made him not only dress up as a noble and also got him stabbed. <laughs> By the way, we we haven't like fully explained exactly what the like racist content of this is, but it's that this Kalu guy is like acting up the kind of stereotype of like a yes. flamboyant doula noble really hard he's like and gesturing with his entire body and he's being super charming and it it kind of seems like the stereotype is like um like i don't know like fancy renaissance italians um. <laughs> <laughs> well and then serini is seeing him do this and serini's like he's too stereotypical I think this is an imposter because no Dooladell is this much of a caricature. But it, it does just, like, let's say that he, let's pretend for a moment that he was actually, like, the person that he says he is. Um, this is a patently absurd and racist thought for Serini to have, that he's too much of a stereotype that he has to be an imposter. Fucking stupid. The... Whether it's Rayadin or Galadon, like, either way, that process doesn't make sense. Because it's either, like I said, Rayadin pretending to be from this other culture. Or it's Galadon, like, making up for lost time as he's, like, spent decades being grumpy. And now he has to, like, like act out this stereotype. Like, yeah. this The whole conceit of this chapter is bad <laughs> it's just bad it's just bad it's just bad it's just bad i fucking hate it also we serini have... is like he doesn't have an accent and then ash is like yeah <laughs> not all doulas have accents milady yeah <laughs> i've met plenty who didn't have any accents and speak aonic fluently it's like come on we gotta have a mediocre hraithen chapter this week you want to get into it yeah, sure. Yeah. Hraithen strolls through the Aralon market where many goods remain unsold and many market stalls empty of customers, threatening financial ruin for the eastern merchants that went to great cost to bring their products, and we care about that. Hraithen learned that Wern declined Tellery's Tel request to be raised to Gjorn, but would not act out in anger of the presumption. Tellery still is delaying conversion, and the nobles are laying low, waiting to follow the example of the king. Raithen sees an Arteth in one of the mar- merchant stalls and investigates and encounters Diloph, who taunts Raithen with his failures regarding Tellery and says his victory is sweet as the sweet in the face of the Gjorn's failure, but gives no further explanation and leaves. That was one sentence. I this sentence one. <laughs> <laughs> this chapter really feels like Brandon is a is like subservient to the format that he made up because for whatever reason like something needs to happen to Harithan soon but he needs more things to happen to Raiden and Serini first and so he has to just put in this quick Raithan chapter where Harithan is like ah bad shit's about to happen and then Dialog is like, haha, bad shit's already started happening. And and it's it really feels like I Listen, Harithan is the only good part of this book, but if if Brandon had not laid out for himself such a strict format for this book, I think you could have just skipped the Harithan chapter here and gone straight back to Rayadin. You know? 
Yeah. Nothing ha- nothing happens. It just feels like it's going to be weird because I just scrolled down and saw what the end of this next week we'll finish act 2. Oh shit. Yeah. So it's going to be we're going to this is going to be even weirder in hindsight after next week. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it just feels like it just feels like I guess I feel like we should just get to the end of act 2. Then. I mean it's almost like a TV show. Yeah. Like, oh, this episode, what happened with Wraith? And basically nothing, but we got implications that next episode something will happen. Yeah. But this was mostly a Serene and Raiden episode. It's also... This also feels just, like, so bizarre as, like, a social interaction. Because, okay, obviously there has been, like, tension and, like, competitiveness between Wraith and Dilof. Basically from day one. Um, and so the the idea that like Dilof is like actively moving against Krathen and Dilof's victory is Krathen's loss, like okay, it makes sense. But also, this is actually I think the first time that Dilof is openly admitting to Krathen, "I'm your enemy. You've mm-hmm. lost, and I've won." Mm-hmm. And the way that Krathen reacts to that is not like, I mean, he you know he questions it. But, like, he would be totally within his rights to, like, play a little dumb here, right? And be like, Dilof, what are you talking about? You are my Arteth. Like, get on your Mm -hmm. knees right now. How dare you act against me? Like, that's not what our faith is, you know? Right. But, but, Hraithen's way of reacting to this is much more like, what? What, what happened? I, I, I thought, uh, uh, and, like, it's just so strange, (laughs) Um, yeah, I just why doesn't yeah why doesn't why does Hraithen put up with this? Like why does he allow this to happen? Well, I'll tell you why. Why? Dilof smiled. In the wan light of the lantern, his face pocketed with shadow, he smiled. The expression filled with the passion, the ambition, and the zeal that Hraithen had noted on that first day so long ago was so disturbing that Hraithen's question died on his lips. In the flickering light, the Arteth seemed not a man at all, but a Srakis sent to torment Hraithen. We think Dalof went to the to the evil monk school. Hmm. Uh, that doesn't... Hmm. I guess that would link up with the, like, oh, he's older than you think. No, but um, he, because he's not, he wasn't raised Fjordan. Yeah, that's true. But but what you're basically saying, Nora, is that Dilof made a scary face and it cowed Hraithen. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's he's doing that thing where you like look down but then your eyes look up and you And he's like got a flashlight under his yes, chin. So he literally has a flashlight under his chin. It's a scene. Oh my god. It's just so I, I I'm not saying the book would be good if it turned out that uh Dilof was an evil monk this whole time. But I think it would be better. If We've it's... already had one big reveal about Dilof's origin is that he's old, actually. <laughs> he went to the beach that makes you young. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I, I want to I talk about, like, what Dilof might actually be talking about here. Because, like... I get it that, like, Dilof is in competition with Hraithen somehow, and so the fact that, like, Hraithen's conversion plans are not actually going very well, like, okay, somehow that's a victory for Dilof, but, like, how exactly, like, does Dilof not want to convert the country? Does Dilof, like, maybe, does he actually want 
like Wern's forces to like sweep in and massacre the people, and that's how he wants this place to be converted. Maybe. I wondered is 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 Diloth in contact with Wern? Is Diloth like secretly like working with Wern against Hraithan? Secret Gjorn. I d- ooh. I, I will de- I will definitely say that I think one thing that was of mild interest in this chapter is that, like, the last Hraithan chapter, Hraithan was like, oh my god, oh my Jadith, uh, Tellery's, like, going over my head and talking directly to Wern and asking to be made a Gjorn, like, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's playing with fire, he's gonna be in so much trouble, and then, like, he's not, really, like... It's fine. Wern isn't gonna make him a Gjorn, uh, you know, th- that idea is like, oh, that's bullshit. Warren is irritated, but he he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It fortunately, Warren had displayed only slight anger at Tellery's presumptuousness, and it's like, okay, what? Why? Um, <laughs> I. It would. What if Warren had said, "All right, you get two weeks. Like I'm cutting your I'm cutting your timeline down. <laughs> like you, I want this guy gone, so you deal with him, or I'm." Sending in the army, like, right now. We're on the border, by the way. Yeah, like, that would be fun. That would be, like, a, um... Oh, an escalation? Yeah, like, what if... A progression? What if, if Tellery took actions that then had consequences politically that Hraithan did not foresee and, uh, like... No, 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 that's, that's stupid. Him. What if Diloph made a funny face? Oh, you know what? You're right. What if Diloph made a funny face? You're s- <laughs> God, you're so right. Thank you. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> I... I really feel at my limit with this book this week. Just because... No good Hraithan chapter. Serene is a racist. Rayden is just doing... Magic bullshit and also being a racist. Yeah, this is a really weirdly concentrated episode <laughs> in terms of like wretched vibes uh, and poor yeah. decisions on Brandon's part. Um, let's see how the Act Two climax. I do feel a bit better us. about this week knowing that Act Two ends next time, just because it's like. <laughs> okay, well, I can forgive a little bit of the wheel spinning. Not entirely, yeah, that, that but, like... Is, I noticed that, and I was, okay. Like, this is, like, the, the weird half-step right at the end. Um, also, Act 3 is way shorter than this one. Thank Christ. Yeah. So, we each are... act gets shorter as you go along. <laughs> we are, like, building up on the end here. Um, yeah. Well, God, there... Two... There better be some just fucking sick Aeon door at the end of this book. If this magic doesn't actually, no, like, no. impress me and, like, do something you, cool... You, there will not. I guarantee you there will not be a cool magic thing. The Aeon door better be fucking sick, and the army better show up. Those are the <laughs> like, If the army doesn't show up, I'm gonna laugh so hard. <laughs> like, I want people to die, and I want to see cool magic... Okay, but what do you want from the book? <laughs> <laughs> I want this both from the book and in real life. <laughs> the thing you want is like Rayadin defeats an army with Aeondor or some shit. No, right? not that, not that, not that, not no? that. No, I, I mean, but I think I that would think... be kind of boring, but I, I do think that like, 
I feel like that... Here's what I'm going to say. I think that Rayadin defeats the the Fjordal army with uh, Aeondor. I don't think that would be a good resolution to the book, but I kind of think that would be cooler than what we might actually get. The, the only other thing would be if they fix... That, like, Raiden gets a level up of some kind, either a full Elantrian or some other, like, modification that allows him to move fast enough to trace an Aeon on the continent. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> oh my god! Shut up! <laughs> Hear me I- out! <laughs> He uses complicated aeons to touch a map that also draws an aeon in real life on the scale of the map and turns the entire continent into an aeon specifically designed to combat Wern in some way. I guess here, my money is on, um... Raiden casts a big spell that defeats a large part of the army, not... Doesn't, like, totally route them, but, like, buys them some time by, like, fucking up the army pretty good. Uh, Serene finds some way to negotiate with Wern himself, because, and she's, like, the good, cool political operator, and she's able to get one over on Wern somehow. And then Hraithen sacrifices himself for the people of Aralon somehow. That's Or he gets stabbed in the back by Dilof. That, too. It gets stabbed in the back, but in his final moments does something heroic for the people of Hraithen. Of Erewhon. <laughs> the people of Hraithen. Uh, They're going to throw Hraithen in the, into the pool. That would be kind of sick. I want to know what happens. That would be kind of sick. I want to know what I forgot about that pool. Yeah. You think they're going to... Okay. Two things on the mantle right now that better come back off. One, the army. Two, the pool. <laughs> Three, evil monks. Hmm? Other arts. Other arts. <laughs> That's just... Oh, man. Um, also, this is chapter 51, where we have 63 chapters in the book. Which, okay. Which means uh, 12, so four... Four episodes. Four more episodes. It's time to start sending in questions. Yes. So we got four weeks. Yes. Do we have a specific Arcanum email address? We do. Would you like to tell the people? I would. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Well, while Nora finds that, you can also email them to exportaudiopodcast.gmail.com, put Elantris in the subject line so it's easy to find, um, and hit us with all your questions about Elantris. Um, And Nora is going to pull up that email address for Ars Arcanum right now. Uh, ArsArcanumPodcast at gmail.com. You can also send any of your questions there. Uh, we did get one question. We oh. did get one question in September of 2020. Nice. I kind of want to read it right now, but I shouldn't. Uh, it's Who is from, it from? It's from Hannah. Okay. Um, We're not going to read it right now on the okay. podcast. I just wanted to see what it was. Anyway, Mark, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Char Asnablunt, and you can find my other podcast, which is about Moby Dick, uh, at abnormalmapping.com slash whale. That podcast is called Higgledy Piggledy Whale Statements. I forgot to say that. 
Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. Find stuff I do at norablake.online. Uh, if you're hearing this, you probably, if you're a patron, already have access to episode one, or maybe two, of Back to the Ark, a Marvel Hornets reassessment podcast at a blistering speed. Me and Olivia are watching Marvel Hornets and doing a podcast about it, one episode at a time. No matter how short the episodes of Marvel Hornets are, is it an 11 second video? We're doing an episode. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Autumnal underscore coffee. You can find all my other podcasts at exportodd.io. Might I recommend um, Godzilla's Not Dead, which you can hear by subscribing to the Patreon for $5 a month. We did an episode in June on the first Godzilla movie. Uh, we are going to try and squeeze in an episode in July about Godzilla Raids again, but because uh, I have worked overtime literally every week at my job this month, um, we might just end up doing two episodes in August. Also, I was going to say that Back to the Ark is a patron-exclusive podcast, which you can find at exportnod.io. Yeah, that's for $1 patrons. Godzilla's Not Dead is for $5 patrons. That's so. right. Uh, Back to the Ark is twice a week, by yes. the way. Two episodes a week. I've scheduled four of them already, so I've edited twice as many. So they're coming. I hope y'all enjoy it. I made the intro and outro from cobbling together sound effects from nice. free sound effect websites, um, and also some music from Kevin McLeod. Uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of Ars Arcanum. Short one, but I think we did a pretty good fucking episode, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> it helped yeah. that, like, the, ep the the chapters were, like, bad, but also insufferable enough that we didn't pick through them, like, mm. so much. Because, yeah. like, it would just be unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon.